Food security is a critical component of national security, and we need to make sure that foreign countries do not hold an undue influence over our food supply. And I'm pleased that this year's Senate National Defense Authorization Act includes Senator Rounds' amendment to prohibit China, Iran, Russia, and North Korea from purchasing U.S. agricultural land and businesses, and I'll continue to advocate for this provision's inclusion in the final NDAA. And we also need to take a close look at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's role in overseeing foreign ownership of U.S. agriculture, particularly as we keep working on the next farm bill. We must safeguard U.S. farmland and food security as a critical component of national security, and I look forward to working with members of this committee on this issue in the next farm bill. Dr. Ortega, what are the food security implications of increased foreign ownership of U.S. agricultural land and businesses? And based on your research, what can we do to strengthen food security to support national security? One area that I think is important to look at are the effects of foreign demand for agricultural land on land prices and rental rates. The research that is out there, and this has been done as part of the latest AFIDA reporting, um, shows that there is no effect of uh, increased demand on land values and rental rates. You know, in terms of what needs to be done, we need to have better access to data. The AFIDA data that is out there and that is reported has a lot of missing records, missing values that make it very difficult to really understand what is happening. Another important point on this is when we look at trends in the AFIDA data, there's been a lot of reconciliation of past transactions due to a lot of these errors. So it's really difficult to track what's happening over time because of the data quality. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Mr. Pittman, you mentioned that USDA program eligibility for U.S. ag producers versus foreign persons is an area that can, can lack clarity. It's important that USDA programs are targeted U.S. farmers and ranchers and not foreign persons. So could you explain that issue a little bit further? And how do we make sure that uh, USDA programs are targeted specifically to help American ag producers? short version of that is, in general, when it comes to USDA programs, particularly disaster assistance type programs, the the word that's used is prorate. You prorate out the level of foreign ownership or the percentage of foreign ship from the payment that's at issue. Um, so that's how it's generally done now. An area that I've, I, I can only speak to that I've noticed it, uh, it seems to be a shift. Uh, I know uh, with the emergency relief program, and then the recently announced milk loss program, it appears that the standard for those is any level of foreign ownership uh, would create ineligibility. So those are the two tracks that I'm aware of. Again, that, that kind of gets you down in from, we talked earlier about a fight, but parallel to that, when you have the statute, the regs, when you deal with Farm Service Agency or NRCS for that matter, you're going to have handbooks as well that go out to the states, and that's what's used at the county level to implement all these programs. Uh, and it's in the handbook where uh, those new standards are have been found, particularly for the ERP. Um, and, you know, outside of that, it's it's a more proactive. We're looking forward. Uh, you know, you have several proposals. Uh, I won't relate them all here, but several that try to have some level of restriction on the receipt of federal funds. Some go as far as receipt of any federal funds. You know, if a state doesn't have a law that prohibits foreign ownership to some degree, and others are more specific uh, in, at the federal level to uh, USDA programs. But it's a matter of changing those laws to the, to the extent that that's done through the committee and through Congress. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Green, given your role in overseeing USDA's implementation of the Agriculture Foreign Investment Disclosure Act, what is your response to the discrepancies that Dr. Ortega has raised? And could you provide a status update on USDA's implementation of the improvements to the Agriculture Foreign Investment Disclosure Act that were enacted last year? Thank you, sir. We're doing our best based on the information. It's a self-reporting document. Um, we appreciate that Congress has put uh, language in the appropriations language last year to 
update and to modernize IFIDA. It also came with zero funding. So we have done the recommendation to provide that in a queryable format. This summer, we uploaded Excel documents for the last 10 years of that data to be able to move forward. And, and the discrepancies with the, that he pointed out? Yeah, so there's some items um, which we will call like stale records. So there's times that have uh, compiled ways of where the stat, where it has been recorded that it was sold or to foreign entities holding it, but that entity might have then sold it back to domestic, for example. So like a, uh, like a U.S. citizen might have it. Those kinds of informations and our need to be able to have that more updated format. The complicated system outside of USDA to be able to have an understanding how the deeds are recorded, when they're recorded at the county office level, the state level, or even the uh, sovereign tribal communities and how that reports up to us, there isn't like an automated query that we can then put it into the AFIDA way. So we have to rely on the self-reporting. And some of that includes the education and the outreach that we're doing with various entities, realtors, land trusts, local communities, posting it within our county offices so folks know to update their form and to make sure once it settles back from foreign to domestic or domestic to foreign to be reporting to FSA or to USDA. Thank you, Madam Chair. Podcasts by Federated Media.